0: This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Twas the day after Christmas and all through the house, not a creature is stirring except for the fly-fisher who is antsy to get out on the water. Sorry, Dave, I couldn't make that last line rhyme.
1: Hmm. So the preacher is not a poet. (laughs) Definitely not a poet. (laughs) Definitely
0: not a poet. Well, maybe you are fortunate to get out and fly-fish the week between Christmas and New Year's Day, but if not, we'd invite you to think back over the past year of fly-fishing. Next week, we'll look to the new year, but today, we want to talk about what we learned as fly fishers in 2016. The value is that the lessons we learned in 2016 will, hopefully, make us better fly
1: fishers in the new year. So, what did we learn, Dave? Well, undoubtedly, for me, it was streamers in 2016. I just spent a ton of time fly fishing streamers. In fact... I thought you are going
0: to say a ton of money buying streamers. <laughs> you, you bought a bunch, that one fly shop.
1: <laughs> I did. I, I kind of loaded up. And so I think the big thing for me was... Actually, I started... my Okay, the first day that I fly fished in 2016 was the last day of February. Okay. So it was winter fly fishing. My brother and I uh, fly fished the Minnesota Driftless. And we fished Canfield Creek, which you and I fished later mm -hmm. that year. It was a tough day. My brother, Matt is a physician at Mayo Clinic. Uh, He oversees breast cancer research there. So he and his son, Philip, who I think is 11 or 12 years old was with him. So Matt and Philip went off and I fly fished alone pretty much Mm -hmm. most of the day. We, it was a tough day, but I tell you, I put on that old woolly bugger. And next thing you know, I was uh, pulling in a nice brown. Wow. So it, the you know the year began really well with yeah. uh, a great memory of streamers, and it continued throughout the year. So some of the lessons for me as it related to streamers was the importance of sink tip uh, line for the Missouri River, some of these bigger rivers. I think that's patently obvious. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're just starting out in streamers, and I wasn't just starting out, but it was a good reminder, you know, we fished. Willow Creek, as we mentioned in an earlier podcast, mm-hmm. one day, and then two days later, we were fishing the Missouri, fishing streamers both days. Yeah. So what's the difference? What would
0: you say is the difference between fishing on a bigger river versus a smaller creek?
1: So the big issue, if you're fishing a big river, is you know, your casts, one, are out there a lot further or yeah. farther, and um, they need to drop, they need to sink to the bottom. And mm-hmm. so what you have in some of these swift moving rivers, if you don't have that sink tip that the actual woolly bugger itself or whatever the stream you're fishing isn't down at the bottom mm-hmm. of the river mm-hmm. in those big rivers You have to have that sink tip that that line has to sink
0: Yeah,
1: and with weight forward line It sinks enough in these smaller pockets of water smaller runs. You don't have that need to get down um, as he now, you could use sink tip line, obviously. Yeah. But you mm-hmm. don't. I typically don't use no. sink tip for the smaller no, streams. No, it probably would, it'd get in the way. Yeah, yeah, I think it would. Although, you know, I've been thinking I might take two rods to Canfield Creek because those beaver ponds. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I couldn't yeah. get that streamer down deep enough. Yeah, that's I'm true. I'm wondering if I, you know, if that would actually help us get that uh, get that streamer down a little bit farther. They're just deep beaver ponds, and fishing them just Fishing those ponds just with a weight forward line—it's tough to get that streamer down. Yeah, the bigger rivers, you just need—you know—you need that sink tip line, and huh. you know, and you just need to have that extra reel uh, with sink tip. So, good, good stuff. So, how about you, Steve? What did you learn?
0: I think for me, one of the things I relearned were some old lessons about casting, and I uh, wrote about this recently on our on our website. But I, I think going back to some of the basics, even. Uh, even snapping uh, my wrist. I, I remember when we were out on the Missouri River, you know, we, we fished some smaller streams this year and they didn't require really long casts. And so I think I probably got lazy. And when I got out on the, the Missouri, I realized, man, I've, I've really got to snap my wrists. I, I really need to keep my rod parallel to the ground on that final forward cast. Uh, that, that's a mistake I think a lot of new fly fishers make when they are trying to get distance. And, you know, you, you're snapping your rod forward and back and forward and back. But on that last forward cast, eventually you, you need to get your rod so it's it's just pointing straight forward. It, it's parallel to the ground or, or the water if you're standing in the water. And that's what really uh, enables it to shoot out. So that that was kind of fun for me just having to work on the, the casting a bit and and then there's always that lesson about minimizing false casting you know it spooks fish it it just gives you more opportunities for tangled line and i'm living proof of that <laughs> now i remember specifically one time when i i got a tangle in my uh line i think i that day we were i i had nymphs on yeah we were on the gardner river and i had I had two nymphs on, you know, the lead fly and then the dropper. And I remember on a back cast, I, I ended up tangling them. And I thought to myself, that really was unnecessary. I didn't need that extra back cast. And the only thing I got out of it was was 15 minutes in the penalty box. No, it was <laughs> no, it was more like five minutes in the penalty box. I had to, you know, just to... Just cut it off and start all over. Baby. Yep, exactly. That exactly. actually
1: reminds me when I was fishing that high mountain lake this summer. You know, one of the things when you're on these lakes and you're fishing dry flies, depending on the lake, we were above the timber line, so we had some tundra behind us, so there was no trees. Mm-hmm. But... You know it was hard to get that line out there so it was yeah. if you're not going to false cast that really the only option is the roll cast yeah and true. the roll cast man that is just that is just some to perfect the roll cast is the highest form of fly fishing Boy, i think i think it is and um it really put my skills to the test and i re, and i think i'm like you i i fished smaller streams I do fish smaller streams so often mm-hmm. that once you get into some of these larger rivers or these, yeah, you know, you these lakes, lake. you have to yeah. kind of relearn how to get distance. You really
0: do. So what else for you, Dave? What, what did you learn in, in the past year?
1: I think for me, it was back to the basics on mm-hmm. nymph fishing. And it seems like every year I have to go back to school on this. <laughs> so this is actually... A, an admission I, I almost hate hate to make, but so we're. Fi- I think how many how many days last year did we have a guide? Just one. Just one. Of, yeah. Yep, yeah. Only so one. we don't get guides a lot.
0: No, maybe once a year. Yeah, once yeah. a year,
1: once every twenty days, something like that. So we had this guide, and this guy was like the best.
0: And and it was good. We really we hired him because we we wanted intel. Exactly. It was the first time we fished this area, and I thought, you know what, we 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 just need to know. Where to go? We don't have three
1: days to figure it out. It was the best decision we made it on was, that. It was, because we learned a lot. Too. Yeah. Well, we would have tried going up at this different access point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We would have, would have had to walk like a mile or two to get yep. to these runs, and we probably wouldn't have gotten that no, far. No, we wouldn't. Yeah yeah, have. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. So, anyway, so it was about the middle of the morning. We were moving to this other really good run, but he said, Hey, Dave, there's this nice run here. And so I began to cast, and he was watching me. course i was nervous and and i you and i had to cast from my left to my right and throw it upstream and he kept working with me and i couldn't make the cast to save my life he got frustrated with me it was really clear and (laughs) and i don't blame him either (laughs) and then he just said let's just move on to the next (laughs) right it was hilarious oh man yeah (laughs) and you could see he was trying not to like ping me right yeah. not to like tweak yeah. me but it was let's just move on to the next run yeah. you know,
0: this is not working <laughs> you're not hitting yeah. the zone yes. <laughs> and i <Yeah>. wasn't
1: <laughs> uh. but uh and another reminder is the whole idea of setting the hook to the side so down river so when you're nymph fishing let's say you've been dry fly fishing and you, you know, with dry fly fishing depending on how you're where you're fishing you tend to set the hook up right yeah you, you mm-hmm. strike up right so Man, if you do that, if you're nymph fishing, you're pulling that hook out of the fish's mouth, and so just the reminder again. And I know this, but when you're doing a lot of nymph fishing and you're having a lot of strikes and you're losing those, you realize, okay, yeah, I'm pulling to up instead of to the side, right? And, and to the
0: side meaning you, you want to pull it, yeah, yeah. Down, down river, right. the down exactly. river side. Yeah, he he uh, he got after me about that, so maybe that's why. He, you felt like he was frustrated with you because he had just come from lecturing me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I tell you, I, and I appreciate every bit of advice. You know, I. Tell no, it you, is. That's. Uh, I mean, yeah. you can't. You can't tell me too much if I'm paying you to be my guide. Yeah, I'm going to soak right. up everything because after yeah. that, I want to. You know, I. I appreciate his how frank he was.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's really good because we're we're always trying to improve, and I, I've said this before. But I feel like I'm going to be a beginner fly fisher, even, you know, even if I'm fishing into my 70s and 80s. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how it is.
1: I don't know how you ever can say you're like a master. Um, I suppose the guides are because they're fishing yeah. 75 to 100 days a year. But, you know, if you're not that and you're just going out, you're you know, you have a day job. You know, I think it's a really important thing to have that kind of beginner mindset. Yeah, another. Sweet takeaway for me as it related to nymph fishing is how nuanced the idea is of mending your line like we always talk about get the line out there flip it upstream you know let it dead drift down but in this instance uh, for example, on Gardner River, once you cast it up, you actually almost flipped it to the right because of the speed of the river. So Yeah, just
0: where the current was, was running. Right, yeah. so it was mm-hmm. a
1: slightly different mend. It wasn't a flip upstream. Mm-hmm. It was an adjustment of your rod, making sure your rod's at the right angle and to make sure that you actually keep that rod ahead of the um, ahead of the drift, the actual rod itself. Yeah. So it was just a mm-hmm. different setting and I was reminded once again that you, know, you just can't go to each... You know, go do a different stream and think you're going to do the exact same thing. You have to read the water and, and really watch your mend to make sure it's a dead drift. So I think the nuance of mending was a, was a, was a, was a big thing. The other thing was the importance of placement. So yep. we talked about the zone. And I tell you what, if you're fishing certain runs, and you can fish all day, but if you're not hitting that zone, you're not going to get a yeah, strike. Yeah, that's right. And, and that was just another good reminder. I, again, I, I've heard these things. I fly fished for years, but I tell you, it's like hearing it for the first time Mm -hmm. when you're out there on the water. And it was, that's why I just loved the guide that we had and, and just the coaching that he gave us.
0: It's fun to learn and grow, oh, isn't it? Oh my
1: goodness. It was just I would say that trip I probably grew as much as I've grown in the last 5 years, I think.
0: Well, judging by the number of fish you caught, I would say so too. Boy, that was uh, those were great days. Yeah, well, those and were then we we went back on our own once we knew where we were. We needed to fish and we we did even better uh, the second day. That was just a ton of fun. Okay,
1: I got to give you one more th- one more, All right. more comment. So there was a moment where I was he was asking me to uh, this guide was asking me to cast my rod. It was at a different run from the failed run that I just mentioned, um, and he, and we were talking about this, and he said, you know, Dave, why don't you move up into the river, get closer to the run? And I said, I don't, I'm gonna scare those trout. He said, you know what? I think it's better that your cast is accurate than you worry about scaring those fish. It was an interesting insight and so, yeah. and so the whole idea of, in some rivers, this idea of this long cast, this almost goes counter to when we talk about streamer fishing. But um, it's not about that long cast. It's about being positioned and it's about placement. And it was a really good mm-hmm. reminder again about it's not mm-hmm. necessarily how <clears> far you cast.
0: I've been surprised over the years how close you can get to the fish that you're catching and not necessarily spooking them yeah it all depends on the river you know, the, the river the, the conditions but the light uh, yeah exactly but you can get a lot closer than than you think that that really is a good insight you know something else that i i really learned this past year was the the value of a waiting staff and i bought a waiting staff about uh it's been a, it was over a year ago and just thought well you know whenever we fish some of those bigger rivers like the Yellowstone and if I'm in water up to my thighs and it's it's rushing fast I I need to have a wading staff but I had no intent of ever using it on a small stream but that day that we fished uh, Willow Creek in Montana uh, our our friend I I noticed as I was strapping on my bear spray he was strapping on his wading staff and I I said, really, you use, you use a wading staff even in, I, I said, isn't a lot of this ankle deep? He goes, oh, yeah, but he says, I, I always wear it. And I put my wading staff on, and I think I'm, I'm never going to take it off when I'm fly fishing. I, I was really surprised how even an ankle deep water, you don't need it because you're afraid the current's going to knock you over. Yeah. But I was surprised the stability that I got. Uh, I was just able to move a lot faster and uh, able to get to some runs uh, faster than you did Dave, because <laughs> I had my waiting staff. No, but that was really helpful. And uh, And then even hiking in and hiking out when you're walking over a lot of rocks, it's just uh, it just brings some more stability. And so I, I, I'm really sold on that.
1: You know, I watched you this fall with the waiting staff. And I tend to be a minimalist in terms of equipment. Yeah. Uh, There's some people that have everything. You know, everything's got to be top brand, right? And and you have to have everything, right? You have to have the little chapstick, the Orvis chapstick, or the Sims chapstick. Which I do
0: have the Sims chapstick. I think I talked (laughs) about that once. I, it's just because I needed chapstick and I was in the Sims store. Hey, maybe I mock you. Maybe.
1: Ever so slightly. Listen, maybe
0: you should turn the recording off. That chapstick is the worst tasting stuff that I've ever used. <laughs> Serious? Oh, yes. I don't know what happened. Maybe I dropped it in something.
1: But, uh, exactly. Maybe it's uh, rotting in your, that's, in that's your right. vest. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But watching you with that waiting staff, I thought, you know... I may just get myself away and so. But you're right. It's not just that you fear being sent downstream, right? Right. Losing your footing. It has all these other values to it.
0: Yeah, and I I had underestimated that or hadn't even realized it. And I'm like you in that way. I I try to go as light as I can over the years. I I mean, yeah, I I like gadgets as much as anybody, but I, I get tired of carrying too much stuff. And so I thought... That's the last thing I want to have, another cumbersome thing hanging from my wading belt. But you know what? I, I just didn't notice it that much. And what you can do with those wading staffs is you have a retractor uh, on it, and so you can just let the... Th- I saw our friend do this, and I thought, what? But he just dropped the wading staff when he's fishing. He doesn't pick it up and put it back in its... Uh, you know, in its sheath every time he just drug it behind him, and yeah, yeah, th- that's yeah, yeah. what I did. Now, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna walk a little ways, then you you do something different. But it was it was great. It's just okay. I can pick it up and use it, or now it's there at, at my feet. And I I thought, well, I'm gonna get tangled up and trip over this thing when I'm trying to land a fish, but I didn't. It's pretty easy. Yeah, it really was pretty slick.
1: Yeah, I um, that actually reminds me of a story. <laughs> Speaking of being like light, you know, packing light, and it was in my 20s, and the reason it triggers is that the the thought, I'm reminded about this, because I was at Harrison Flats this fall in Colorado in the Collegiate wilderness, I've talked about that, but back in my 20s, I remember going on a backpack trip, and we actually camping up there, and spending the night, I spent a couple nights there, at least one night, maybe two nights, up on, uh, above the timberline, and I remember bringing Mountain Dew, a six-pack of Mountain Dew, <laughs> and Pringles potato chips. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man. But I tell you what, it did taste good. That Mountain Dew, was wow. I can still taste that Mountain Dew. That
0: is great. <laughs> Mountain Dew and Pringles. Yeah, a six-pack of Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Well, what about you? Any Any other... Things as you look back on uh, twenty sixteen last year that that you learned or that you enjoyed,
1: I you know I purchased a new Sage fly rod and I just oh love it.
0: yeah that's right
1: and I had been using well I've got several rods but the one I'd been using most was uh, was a middle of the road Orvis kind of nondescript Orvis rod so it wasn't the high end Orvis rods I'm telling you man getting that Sage it made made a man out of me yeah I made me a much better fly fisher Mm -hmm. and look out now yeah look (laughs) out now so rods do make a difference and uh it had been probably 10 years since I'd purchased another rod since I purchased a rod Mm -hmm. and in fact the one I would been using was replaced by Orvis because I had snapped off the tip of another Orvis rod and so I just had not really invested in a in a new rod in recent years and I was so glad I did, and it it made me really enjoy fly fishing in 2016.
0: Oh, that is cool. And we want to point out this is not a knock on Orvis. This is not Orvis compared to Sage. It's it's a middle of the road rod versus a little higher end rod. Because exactly. You, you were actually going to buy a, the high end Orvis, but yeah, the Sage was. was on sale, wasn't it? That's exactly right. Yeah.
1: And it, they load differently. Uh, I think the H2, and I and I actually use the H2, the Orvis H2. Uh, and I was going to purchase it. They load intuitive. There's a really nice intuitive load, um, but when the Sage One, I think they discontinued the line. Yeah,
0: they move. Yeah, going up to a new model. I yeah, think. so yeah.
1: which mm-hmm. is fine by me. It just anyway. So I decided to purchase it, and I boy I have no regrets.
0: Yep. Well, one other thing for me was the value of updating my gear. I, I, I kind of forgot the importance of. Uh, uh, not using worn out stuff because I, I try to use my stuff until it dies. You know, I, I try to be, uh, conscious of, of saving money so that I can buy the, the, the <laughs> nice brand name thing, but no, and I get something, I use it forever. And, and, uh, my wading boots were really worn out. And so I, I splurged and bought a pair of the Patagonia foot tractors. Uh, our, our friend in Montana uses those, uh, one of our friends. And then, uh, Uh, Glenn a guy who uh, listens to our podcast recommends those and I thought I'm gonna buy those and I tell you what a huge difference they they made not just the uh, the grip that the grip is great but uh, they're they're just solid just gives
1: you confidence going up and down the river
0: yeah it really did and I realized boy my feet aren't as tired The the others that I had I've I've worn the soles uh, so hard so that that was a that was a great thing anything else Dave last thing
1: The last is more mystical, maybe. Uh, Just, again, as you get older, as I've gotten older, knowing that these days are not legion. There's not a lot of these days. And so the days that we had on the Gardner River and Willow Creek on the Missouri is just the idea of slowing down the day and really enjoying every moment. And I tend to be... I cannot live in the moment Well, I'm fly fishing, I'm thinking about what we're going to do tomorrow, or thinking about work, Mm -hmm. but really, I think you can discipline yourself to slow down the moment because that is all you have, and as I think about 2016, uh, think about this last year, and I would argue that the last year was some of the best fly fishing that you and I have ever had It really was,
0: yep, it was. And we talked about that in the moment, didn't we? How do we slow this down and just taking time to, uh, uh, you know, look around and enjoy the scenery and and
1: uh, and maybe not even pulling out the iPhone to take photos. I mean, there's yeah, this that's temptation true. to for me to jump back into yep. my email and look at the text. Yep, depending I know on it. if there's mm-hmm. uh, you know if there's service, but. Uh, just the idea of slowing down the day yeah. and one thing and we've talked about this before that's so great when we go on trips and you and I both have four kids and live these busy lives and so you know if we if we had to go home after a day of life is you're back into the grind right yeah and so just enjoying the day from the moment you get up to the yeah. moment you know we're done with dinner that night yep. it's just the whole thing is just really really a just a gift and I just oh, love is. every love every moment, and try to soak up every moment of it.
0: It was a good year.
1: Yeah, it was a really good year. And I hope
0: that uh, helps uh, all of you think about uh, your past year, what went well, what you learned, maybe what you want to change, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about the year ahead in our next podcast. But right now it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Our friend Michael, a fly fisher from New Mexico, recently offered this comment on our episode about the benefits of fly fishing with a buddy. Michael wrote, there are pros and cons to fishing with someone else. Fishing with a true fishing bud is more enjoyable than alone. You do have to learn to fish together. Learn to work the waters together and share. It's never been a competition. I have fished lots of waters alone. I'm too quiet and see that it's almost cost me some very unexpected problems. Safety is part of the advantage of having a buddy. It's sharing the waters in the evening that awaits it's the drive to and from wow man that is well said
1: yeah he that has is, to be our age <laughs> yeah
0: that is really well said yeah i think he may be a little bit older than we are he's a he's a veteran very good fly fisher and th- those are some really wise yeah that's poignant. words I, I think that's what i've enjoyed dave with you over the years i, I think when we fish together in our 20s we were a lot more competitive (laughs) we were and and now we're we're rooting for each other we're just trying to keep each other from getting killed (laughs)
1: exactly (laughs) oh no Steve's getting mauled by a grizzly oh no he
0: (laughs) slipped and fell again great I don't want to have to lift him up Oh man well that's more than enough for today Uh, what fly fishing lessons did you learn in 2016 or in the past year Uh, We'd love to know, so just go to twoguysintheriver.com, comment on this podcast link. What did you learn last year as a fly fisher that will make you better next year?
1: You can find Two Guys in a River on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also on LinkedIn. We'd love for you to visit our podcast on iTunes and rate it. Give us a review. That always helps. And you can download a podcast app on your phone and receive our weekly podcasts. If you want access to every episode that we've ever published, you can visit our website and click on every episode. We also have every article that we've ever published. I think we're at 70 or 80. There's just a lot of great content on the site. Well, thanks
0: again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are
1: Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.